Crimes Against Humanity with Adam Brodsky. You get one guess who I am. Uh, this week or month or a year on the show, we have uh, Aggie Ibrahimi. You know, we've had, we, we mostly, uh, uh, it's mostly dealing with musicians talking about songwriting, but we've had, uh, we've had uh, authors on and such. And now, for the first time, we're having a filmmaker on. And why are we having a filmmaker? Well, I'm glad you asked. I will tell you. My friend uh, and erstwhile roommate, Aggie Ibrahimi, um, made a movie in uh, 2012, made a documentary for the Asian American Film Festival, and it won an award. Um, and then the her movie this month, the month of March, on Comcast, all across, you know, Comcast, the big uh, biggest corporation in the world, biggest production, you know, whatever it is, um, all across Comcast, if you have yourself some Comcast cable for free, you can see her movie. It's called Inheritance. And uh, uh, she is now a professor, uh, along with the filmmaking, she is a professor of like visual media or something. Uh, uh, or I sh- we, we talk about it in the podcast. She is a professor of visual stuff uh, at uh, Muhlenberg College, which also, by the way, is 40% Jewish. I did not know that. So uh, uh, so I prepared her. Uh, by She had to live with a Jew for, for a few months uh, in Philadelphia, and then she got prepared. So anyway, so I I drove up to Muhlenberg up in Allentown, PA, and we and I sat down with her in her in her office, uh, and we chatted, and then we went to a diner. So we talked about her movie and uh, uh, and Iran and other things. Oh, and there's also a really really fun uh, and embarrassing part where you know Aggie and I, good friends. I, th- I consider myself sort of a, uh, uh, a not really a scholar, but a slightly autodidact. Anyway, I consider myself a person who knows the difference between Iran and Iraq, and yet. When I, uh, at the very beginning of the podcast, I said, so tell me about your early life in Iraq. And she said, you mean Iran? And I said, yeah, I mean Iran. So, um, but anyway, so Aggie Ibrahimi, there are ways uh, on, the, on the show notes and in the podcast, we'll tell you how to get uh, for the month of March, how to watch her free movie, called, her, her movie for free called Inheritance. It's a, a half an hour documentary about her and her mom uh, and, and Iran. And her, her story is pretty fascinating. And we talked about it and we had ourselves a real good time and it was good to see her. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. So please, Without any further blobbity blobbity, please enjoy Rhymes Against Humanity with uh, my friend Aggie and filmmaker Aggie Ibrahimi. Bye bye. Dukes of Hazard. It's before my time. Really? Okay. Yeah. I yeah. should watch it though. No. I mean, you watch one episode, <laughs> yeah. you've seen them all. Okay. All right. That's <laughs> so. all I need. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, anyway, welcome to Rhymes Against Humanity Thank with uh, you. Adam Brodsky. I am, I was talking to them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You're new here. <laughs> But how would you know? We're the only two people exactly. in the room. Exactly. Who are you talking right. to? Right. Yeah. So anyway, so Rhymes Against Humanity with Adam Brodsky. We are normally, you know, as you know, we talk about we talk about songwriting with songwriters. Well, we are not talking about songwriting, and we are not talking with a songwriter, because I can do you one better. We are talking with uh, Aggie Ibrahimi. Ibrahimi because you always you introduce yourself to me. I never knew the, the last name. I never saw the last name, the last oh, part right. until you until I saw your work. Yeah, yeah. And so we'll, we'll get into all that anyway. She has a film called Inheritance. Inheritance. It is a short documentary that she made, and it is on uh, Comcast on demand. Uh, now that's every motherfucker that has Comcast throughout the world, the nation. That's like almost everybody. Mm-hmm. Comcast is the biggest corporation in the world, mm-hmm. and for the month of March. Uh, you can see Aggie's movie for free dollars, mm-hmm. free as in zero dollars, by going, where is it under? Where do you find it in Comcast? It's in the Cinema Asian America series, so they have to go into the VOD, plop, like into their VOD 
and find the Cinema Asian America folder, I believe, and then in there it should be inheritance. Oh, good luck to you people finding that. So, no, seriously. I'm looking it up right now. We're going to have direct, uh, when I when, when this pod- podcast posts, go to rhymesagainsthumanity.com yeah. and we will explain it in detail how you find her damn that movie. Was, that was a really bad, that was a really bad instruction. No, I didn't, I lost interest in it halfway through. I was like, why would I possibly? And another thing I'd like to mention, you're not, you're more Asia Minor than Asian though, right? They call me Asian American, baby. Do they really? I'm an Asian American. But you're not good at math. What's the deal? (laughs) I was. I was. I left it behind. No. So, okay, wait. I'm going back to this. Oh, on demand in your Comcast VOD service, look under the movies folder. And then under that will be a movie collections folder. Under that will be Cinema Asian America. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Okay, yeah. So the film was accepted into the San Francisco, it premiered at the San Francisco Asian American International Film Festival. And one thing that I really appreciated about that was that they did see, they kind of conceptualized Asian American very broadly to include Persian, Middle Eastern, Iranian experience. Well, what about Jews? Is that, does no. that count? Fuck I'm you. Just uh, no. <laughs> okay, touche. Because that's Asia Minor. No, you're totally right. But we're also white people when we want to be, so. Yeah, exactly. We get to roll. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's sort of arbitrary. Yes. In a way. Um, so, so you are Persian, Persian, right? Um, so, so here, uh, uh, give us, give me, give me, give me the uh, the paragraph about what your movie's about. The movie is a personal documentary that looks at um, the legacy of divorce and Islamic revolution on my family's immigration experience here in the U.S. And my sort of central question is, how do political systems influence and? Um, uh, I don't know, kind of shape uh, personal, interpersonal dynamics. Okay. So, so, so your story, and I actually learned some things. I, th- I, I knew the, the bare bones, but obviously watching the documentary, I learned a lot more. Cool. Um, so your deal, you have an older brother? Yeah. Okay, and he wasn't in the movie at all? No. Uh, no. Was there a reason for that? Is yeah, I mean, things? I wanted to sort of create an absent male figure throughout the film. So you hear a lot about men in the film, but you really don't see any men in the film. And, right. And that, to me, is a statement on the gender politics that kind of helped to destroy the ties of our family. And the, those gender politics, in my mind, are connected to the revolution and and the and what it imposed. But you're still chatty with your brother. It's not... Oh, yeah, he's okay. cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you guys... Came to America. You and your, uh, your, your, I'm sorry, your your mom and your dad and your brother came to America. Then, when the Shah gets deposed, they th- uh, 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 they think let's go back to Iran because that sounds like fun. Right. Okay. Now we're gonna get, we're gonna get we're gonna take that apart later. But uh-huh. then, but because that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah. But and then you go to um. So so then then you go to uh, Iraq and uh, your family goes to Iraq and you were born in Iraq. Iran. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all the same to you Jews. You guys were born in Syria or maybe maybe Jordan or <laughs> right somewhere with the brown people. Where Palestine might be somewhere. Yeah, and the veils, the veils, and the Iraq, brown. No, if Iraq, you'd be an Arab, but you're not an Arab. Not you're an Arab. Persian. Persian like and I should cat. know because Purim just happened, and we'll talk That's about Purim. Right. That's right. That's where. Yeah, same day of Netanyahu's speech. Yeah, yeah, charming that yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, he really leveraged the moment. You know, sometimes though, I think like. You ever see, like, my sister was one of those girls uh, where who would, you know, yell at their, just be, be, sort of be awful to their parents, as all people are awful to their parents at one point. And your parents still give you the keys to the car and the money and stuff. Right. And I just feel like that's Netanyahu. He just comes, <laughs> takes a dump on the president. He's like, now where's my check? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so so in Iran, yes. not to be confused with Iraq. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you guys go. Uh, your family goes back. You're born there. And yeah. how long did you live there? About seven years. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, you and your mom came back here. And my brother. And, oh, your brother came back, but your dad stayed. My dad stayed. Okay. So take start with that. Why did your dad stay? So my dad stayed because. Um, the once they moved back to Iran in '79 or so, um, my sort of my argument, my hypothesis, which oh sorry, my hypothesis, which may or may not be true, but it's based on what I feel and know and what I'm arguing in the film, is that um, he entered a, a gendered system that promoted certain types of behavior, or at least condoned certain types of behavior. So for him, he started to. Um, philander and kind of find other women and he eventually started a second family while he was still married to my mom so he stayed because he had another family right he didn't want to leave that family um also it was easier for us to travel out of iran because we could prove that my father was still there so that you know we have family there we would the expectation oh. is we might go back um that kind of thing right but uh i think that interpersonally he they were divorced they were separating they were divorcing it wasn't um now, I- Iranian divorce, do you have to you have to prove stuff or is it difficult or Well, I you know, I don't know where the laws are now or where they were then, but I know that um what my mom says in the film is that if a uh, a a man essentially gets to determine whether the divorce will happen or not. Okay. So, um there is more of a certain sort of burden of proof on women in Iranian divorce situations and there's a really great documentary called um Divorce Iranian Style that takes place within an Iranian divorce court and um and you could see there the sort of pressures on women to stay married. So, for example, a man is cheating, a woman wants to divorce him and the imam um the leader of the court will say you should just kind of make yourself prettier so that he'll stay home more. That Iranian courts just abhor divorce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm glad you're in America. Yeah, right? <laughs> Me too. Me too. Uh, so um, now, but you, uh, polygamy is, is, is no good? You know, again, uh, I just, I feel like I... I have anecdotal evidence of where uh, the laws are on... Um, Polygamy, but I don't actually know what the law says about polygamy. Okay. What I've been told is that a man is legally entitled to more than one wife if he can support all wives equally. Um, and if he can't support all wives equally, then he has to divorce the ones he, like the extras. <laughs> here's an, now, here's a question which you, I'm sure you don't know the answer to. Suppose I have like four wives and then ah, I have a bad year, I lose my job or whatever, and now I can only afford two wives. <laughs> Do do I get rid of? Do I have to get rid of the last two I married and keep the oldest two, or do I just keep the hot one and the smart one? <laughs> that is a great question. I don't know if the law has encountered such a situation. I'm sure the imams have thought of this. <laughs> the answer will be whatever you want. I, really? Okay. I imagine that. Well, not the whatever answer. the Jew wants, but whatever. No, whatever the man, the, yeah. the Iranian man wants. Oh, that really sucks. I so I don't know. So now your mom is uh, in now. I was I'm uh, uh, old enough. Like my first, my some of my first memories are uh, are uh, uh, the Iranian hostages and that whole situation, seventy eight, seventy nine, and the overthrow of the Shah and everything. Um, and I was only nine, but of course I was an American, and I thought this is an area to avoid. Yeah, totally. So, now, your dad wanted to go back there for what? Like, did, did, was there all over the world? I mean, when the Shah fell, was there this Iran, Persian, everybody was thrilled, like, uh, yeah. ding dong, the witch is dead? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, people really believed that their system would improve, that their lives would improve 
and they returned because of that. Really? Yeah, absolutely. And then it did not happen. Okay, um, it just like you know, I told Khomeini just seemed like like bad news from from the get go. Well, it wasn't clear that he was going to emerge as the leader. the The coalition that sort of helped to depose the Shah was comprised of leftists and Marxists and intellectuals and and the imams and the Ayatollah. So. It wasn't clear in oh. in seventy eight seventy nine that this was going to be an Islamic revolution. It only became an Islamic revolution once there was a power vacuum and the Ayatollah was able to consolidate power. Oh yeah, on behalf of the State Department, let me apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well we made a lot of guys rich with the wars. So. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So 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 she was she she was as psyched as he was. She was like, yeah, let's go. You know that I don't know. I mean, I imagine she was still sort of a newlywed. She really believed in my father. I imagine she was probably pretty excited. Um, they really believed that there would be economic equity once the Shah fell. That 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 he seemed like such an oppressive force. And then the Ayatollah came, and people were like, oh no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I like that guy. <laughs> Bring him back. Bring him back. Uh, so, so my mom tells this joke in Farsi. It's really funny. It's like um, a chant that they had was like, you know, down with the Shah, down with the Shah. And then, or no, it's like, I guess I can't really translate it, but it's like, we don't want the Shah. We don't want a Shah. And then like, they look at Khomeini and they turn around and they're like, because we already have one. Like, <laughs> we love the one we have. Let's oh, keep that's them. funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a sort of, it was a, a moment of great idealism, uh, followed by some real like dejection and kind of a loss of heart because of seeing what actually happened. So when did, when did you guys move back? When did they move back? To the to Iran, yeah, I believe it was seventy eight, seventy nine. Okay, so yeah. okay, so it's a couple of years before I was born. So was it? Do you know if it was before the hostages or? It was right before. It was before the hostages. Oh, it was before all that. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. My mom tells a story again, anecdotal. I don't know. I have no evidence to uh, to to know if it's true or not. But she says that they actually planned to leave Iran again. They were going to come back to the states because my dad was in school. Um, she, they planned to leave with my brother, um, but the. I guess like right around the time that they were trying to leave and get their visas stamped was the time that the embassy was taken over. So they were sort of trapped. Oh, right. Okay. So now uh, you were there, you were born there and then you lived there till you're how how old? About seven. Okay. So you have memories of of Iran. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then then you and your mom and your brother left. Yep. And uh, in the movie, your mom says that your dad was coming, you know, and she really thought he was coming for a long time. Right. Uh, now, did she know about the second family? Oh, yeah. Of course she knew. Okay. She just really believed that he would make the right choice and stick with the family he started with. Ooh. <laughs> I know. It's so sad. Well, you know, she's here, you're here, and you guys aren't dealing with that guy anymore, right? So yeah. is that good, I guess? I don't know. I mean, it is now, but I think it would have been nice for her to not be a single mom in a foreign country working two jobs. You know, like she would, because right. he was an engineer. Like she, And she, she's a really strong woman, but I think that for her... I often think that she was raised in a time when a woman was told that you need a husband to have a complete life or a complete family. And I think that for her, she really, it's just, I just don't know. I couldn't raise a child on my own in the U.S. having grown up in the U.S. And to be a single mother of two children. It's crazy. Yeah, in a completely foreign system. When all of your Iranian friends have husbands with them, it's just, I can't imagine how difficult that was for her. So there was, I imagine, a great compulsion to want, her husband here, even though he has proven himself to be kind of an asshole. Right. A really big asshole. I hope he hears that. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm sure he's a listener. I'm positive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any podcasts from Jewish guys in Pennsylvania I can pick up on? Um, he's listening to Crimes Against Humanity. <laughs> <laughs> there are, I know of, essentially, two Iranian dudes, uh, um, and neither one of them I actually know. I know... Um, your father, the story of your father, and I know Sally Field's husband <laughs> in Not Without My Daughter. <laughs> and they're both jerks. They suck. Are there nice Iranian dudes? Or are they? Because I know t- I have two in the movies and they're both jerks. It's <laughs> a really good point. God, I can't, I don't think there are. Like no, Islamic dudes. No, I mean, no, uh, uh, Arab sure. dudes and Islamic dudes get, get, a, get, get short shrift all through the media, yeah. especially. Yeah. And so, I mean, actually, in a lot of films, dudes just suck. Like, there's so many chick flicks where dudes, the dudes suck because there's a preponderance of sucky dudes. That's right. That's right. There's so many to choose from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, of course there are good Iranians. I mean, my question in, in the film is not what makes Iranian men bad. It was really more about what happened to us. Like what was sort of what, what happened to us and how is that at all related to the political system? Okay. Yeah. I mean, there are men in my family on my father's side who were just excellent family oriented men who given, you know, all of their lives to their children and, and wives and are generous. And I mean, it's not, I hope that I'm not in the film suggesting that there's a, that, uh, that, yeah, that there's something inherently wrong with the Iranian men. I mean, my brother's a really good guy, you know, and he was raised by my mom and my, yeah, I mean, my grandfather was really good. So there, there are good men out there. I think my question was just, what's the, what are the conditions that create, uh, um, this kind of, Inequitable distribution of power. So how long? Uh, um, how long did you did you film? Um, I filmed only about maybe a month and a half, two months. Okay. But I it took me about three years to figure out what I was trying to do. Okay. So I filmed a, a lot of stuff before that that was just like interviews with Iranian people around Philadelphia. Right. And um, yeah, and you might I you probably even remember like I would maybe come over with to with you know, with a camera or I would tell you about it. But anyway, so there was a lot of interviewing when I thought I wanted to make a documentary about Iranian American experience. That's all these people gave you their time and you just threw it out. This podcast will never go to press. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> of course, I drove all the way up in this damn say, traffic, actually, so who's, you, who's the joke on? You spent more time on this than I did. We yeah. are on uh, the campus of Muhlenberg University? University? College. College. And uh, where you are, what are you doing here? I'm visiting assistant professor. Rock and roll, girlfriend. That's Ooh. awesome. And before this, were you Michigan? Uh, before this, I was in a filmmaker residency in Michigan at Interlochen Arts Academy. Hell yeah. yeah. And before that? I was at the National Alliance for Media Arts and Culture in San Francisco. Where you were the... Program director. Hells yeah. yeah You're cool. kind of a, getting to be a big important person. I'm mm. kind of lucky to know you. Well, <laughs> I don't have a microphone. I don't travel around the country well, touring If you my check music. Woot every day, you can have a microphone <laughs> too. Uh, yeah. yeah, but you, you did lend me this awesome cable because I came with my microphone, but not the right uh, USB cord. But uh, luckily, we're in the video production department, exactly. so we found one. Yeah. So that was, that's sweet. we met here. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then before that, you were at... Uh, uh, Temple, getting your master's degree yeah. in, uh, what's the degree called? The MFA in film. MFA in film. Mm-hmm. And your short film, which I was in, right? That's right. Uh, 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 the Things They Carry, is that what it's called? Uh, it was called Conversations with My Aunt. Conversations with Your Aunt, okay. Yeah. And it was about uh, uh, um, the women that can't see their children yeah. except through a fence. <laughs> Do I get her? Did I get right? I watched them. I was in it. And I watched it. It's not like a phenomenon of women who can't see their children, but through a fence. It seemed like a whole bunch. It seemed like you were <laughs> unveiling this universal truth. It was a visual metaphor. Oh, a visual, visual metaphor. metaphor. <laughs> Maybe I should have watched it twice. 
I was in it. You were in it, yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand it. I played, I love this part, I played an old Iranian man who walked away holding the little child's hand. That's yeah. what I That's what I remember. <laughs> We used my my house, our you were living there that's too, right. yeah, at the time. That's right. Our house as the uh, as the Iranian as, as as from the central casting as the Iranian abode <laughs> with the nice yeah. tile. Fishtown really has a look of like some some of the Tehran streets, so it felt like a really. Good you should tell the residents that I'm sure they'd be thrilled to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Add that to the list of what they love about. Yep. Know, yeah, the new influx. So your mom and uh, your whole the three of you moved uh, yeah. here in. I'm sorry, what year was that? I you think said? it was like '87. Okay, so? eighty-seven, yeah. eighty-eight. Okay, and mm-hmm. then and then you settle in Georgia. Yep. Why? My mom knew somebody there. Okay. That was the only place in the country she knew somebody. All right. Yeah. And then so you ended up going to UGA. I went to UGA for my master's. I went to Georgia Tech for my undergrad. Um, oh, I didn't. Re- okay. Mm-hmm. So you have two masters's. Yeah, but technically, the, mass, the MFA is a terminal degree that does not that is a, more equivalent to the PhD than it is to the master's. <laughs> Anybody that says that, yes, I know. <laughs> Why would you say that? You have to. <laughs> yeah, but that makes you be like, I'm actually a doctor, even though I'm not really a doctor. <laughs> but it's not technically a master. I mean, it's not supposed to be seen as a master's. Yeah, just degree. say it's the terminal degree and let people. Can we then edit that part nah, out? I'm gonna show you in your. <laughs> I mean, because when you get your Oscar for documentary filmmaking, <coughs> I want you and uh, thank everybody except Adam Brodsky from Rhymes Against Humanity because he didn't edit that part off where it sounded like a snooty doctor when I wasn't one. I think you should angle for an honorary doctorate from somewhere. Are you listening, Muhlenberg? I need it. I yeah, need it. that's my, my. I'm looking for the honorary doctorate as well. Oh, it takes longer to get one, but you know, it's a much shorter dissertation. <laughs> but you can write a dissertation in three days. I really believe that you could. Really? Yeah, you're a smart guy. Oh me? Oh you? Me? Yeah, you. Yeah, not me. <laughs> Can I write a good dissertation? You don't need a good dissertation. A professor of mine once said the best thesis or dissertation is a complete thesis or dissertation. So. All right, all right. Oh, they say, uh, what do they call? Uh, what do they call <clears throat> the worst? Uh, the, the kid at the bottom of the the worst kid in, in medical school? Uh, a uh, doctor. Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's pithier. It's tighter. The phrase is tighter. No, I than like that. that though. That's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so this is one of the things. Uh, of the things I found completely charming about this movie was you and your mom speak some weird language that is halfway between English and Farsi. <laughs> yeah. You speak Farsi and English like interchangeably to each other right. uh, in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. And that is insane because. <laughs> It's it, uh, like when you th- you know your brain thinks in a language, yeah. And and if you become a really good speaker of a language, um, you almost you start to think in that language, like really good uh, Spanish ESL kids or whatever. So so, are, what is your brain thinking when you're? Spe- I mean, uh, can you even can you even uh, uh, explain to me what what your yeah, brain is thinking? My brain is thinking. I really want to express what I'm trying to say, and I cannot do it quickly enough in Farsi because I still have to do some like word acquisition. Like I have to kind of pick up the words, whereas in English it's natural and automatic. Right. With Farsi, I have to think about what's the word I'm looking for. So if I'm if I'm talking to my mom, I'll start with something in Farsi where I like where the words come naturally, and then once I hit a wall and I realize, oh, at this point, I don't know the right words for what I want to say, then I switch to English to <coughs> keep the automatic sort of quickness of the conversation. I don't know how it works for my mom. I don't know what why she switches back and forth. But I think it's just become our communication style. Okay. Yeah. All right, we are back. I had a, uh, a brief uh, coughing fit, but it appears that the, uh, the, the croup has left me, <coughs> at least temporarily. <laughs> so we're back. <laughs> 
And I was asking her something very, very important <laughs> <laughs> about speaking English and Farsi yeah. sim- almost simultaneously. And yeah. that, that, that's one of my favorite parts is to see the way you communicate with your mom. I mean, I knew you guys were close. I mean, I remember when, when you were going to move in and be my roommate, your mom and, <laughs> and I think your mom had to see the place and, and you said the place, but she, you meant us <laughs> to make sure that you weren't so living with rapists or whatever, yeah, yeah. Um, which you weren't. That's right. Um, and then, but your grandmother was also in town. And your grandmother is from Central Casting. You know, she's she's three and a half feet tall, and and, and looks exactly like everyone's old ethnic grandmother. I mean, you you put her in a black dress, and she could be literally any any ethnicity you want. And she was uh, she was wonderful. You know, because we don't have really a uh, at the uh, my house is more grown up now. <laughs> But we don't have like a, we weren't living like grownups. Yeah. And, yeah. and there was your adorable little grandmother <laughs> little sitting purse. on my couch here with her little purse, uh, seeing if it was okay for, for her for her, her granddaughter to live there. And so that was a good time. It was fun it was to have cool. you around. Aww, yeah. Thanks. It was, it was, it was really, really good. Really cool. Yeah, yeah. It was my favorite, one of my favorite places. In oh, good. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's funny too, because you know um, Jill Severn. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. That's yeah. how it happened, because John Severn, her brother, is that one of my amazing. best friends in the world. Yeah. And so I think Jill uh, or Chuck contacted me and said, you know anybody that's got a room up there? I was like, I, I know I know a guy you're talking to. <laughs> so that, that worked out perfectly. It was great. Yeah, it was a wonderful twist of fate. And I saw um, amongst the people thanked in your uh, in your movie was uh, Laura, say her last name, Dutch? Deutsch. Deutsch, Deutsch. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, who you lived with after me. That's right. And uh, uh, she's doing that, uh, that, that, uh, uh, that mobile stuff, right? Yeah, Messages in Motion. She had a van, sort of of like yours yeah. and she would go around to various communities and help them sort of tell their stories and then she would they would like make three minute films about stuff going on in their communities yeah it was i really think cool. that's i think that was that was a really great plan and she's yeah. doing well with that is yeah. there what, what's a website where people can check out her stuff i think that is messages in or no just messages in motion.com messages in yeah. great yeah and uh, laura deutsch mm-hmm. uh, spelled like deutschland yeah uh, um despite the fact she's jewish which that's is right. I like that's a great irony yeah <laughs> um, yeah but she's now working at Philly Cam, the community media station in oh. Philadelphia. Oh, great. Yeah, she's full-time there. Yeah, I, th- I think she she and I just became Facebook friends like a month great. ago or something like that. Great. And uh, um, and should... actually, you should know about her because she's doing these monthly convenings at her house. Um, oh. At, and she's calling the house the cannery because it it's a former cannery. But she's at a new house now in South Philly. Okay. And um, she's bringing together musicians and artists and filmmakers and they like everyone does a little bit of what they do and then there's discussion and mingling. I love those. I think getting artists uh, dipping into each other is, is the way that, that, that you produce more art, man. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. So you should definitely check it out the next time it's around. Yeah, I'll reach out to her and I'll, I'll, I'll see yeah. what she's got going on. Yeah. So so now you made your movie. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about, about, about process. Now you, uh, there's one scene in the movie where uh, you're filming and you're, you're basically ambushing your mom. Yeah. <laughs> Because, <laughs> uh, you know, you heard her pull up or whatever. So you've got the camera yeah, out. Yeah. And she walks in and and she says what every subject in, of a documentary says. Oh, turn yeah. the camera off. Right. Stop filming me right now. Yeah. Um, what I've read about documentaries is that the first couple of days, people are either <clears throat> performing for the camera or, or uh, avoiding it specifically and it's not until they till they get used to it it takes a, a couple of days for 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 shit to get real and, and then people just realize just forget about the camera and start being themselves mm-hmm. did you find uh, uh did you find any difference in that process because you were you already had such an interpersonal relationship with this person this is your mom man yeah and, yeah. and i imagine you've probably you know you're you, you've got 
the terminal degree. <laughs> You're basically a doctor of film. <laughs> so you've been filming her since you since since you got your first camcorder at the age of whatever, right? Right. Yeah. No, it's true. She. Well, you know, I uh, I've always been a storyteller, but I've not not I've not always been a filmmaker. So okay. she's always been involved in something that I'm doing, whether it was like learning the guitar and writing songs about her, or like writing short stories, whatever it was. She's always been central. But the camera took her a while to get used to, for sure. And I think also, even when I was just interviewing Iranians in general and doing interviews around, like, what does it mean to be Iranian-American? Most people were not very comfortable with the camera, even for sort of an innocuous interview. So there is a sort of um, a privacy, I think, that is in our culture that uh, can make it difficult for sort of observational documentary. I mean, fiction film is incredible. Um, films within Iran, like Kiristami films or Mahmoud films that use non-actors are really interesting. And but, but you could tell that there is a real fascination with the camera, and sometimes that can feel like a an insecurity with the camera. My mom's story is different, I think, because she's talking about something very vulnerable emotionally. And so <clears throat> I do think she, she definitely warmed up to the camera over the course of filming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the place that she had the harder time is the film how it was edited, I think she didn't feel like I took her side. I think that she wanted, like there were moments in the, sorry, in the, in the filming when she, um, when she would sort of invite the camera to say like, Oh, I want to show you this. Right. Right. Yeah. So for her, like she really did grow comfortable with it. She really, she appreciated it as a, as a process. I think she saw it as, as a, I think she saw it as a, as a storytelling venture for her as well as for me. Um, a kind of like witness to okay. her experience, and I I worry that the film in its final iteration to her doesn't feel like a witness to her experience. Um, I think that she thinks I'm ambivalent at best, um, or at worst, maybe just even taking my dad's side. To me, it's not a film about my dad or my mom, and and I and I don't know if it's always if it's not successful in all ways because I feel like if you know, what people ask me oftentimes after screenings is like, oh, has your mom seen this? What does your dad think? Are they still, are they divorced? What are they? So these sort of personal questions come up naturally because it's a film about me, but I really want the film to raise questions around the relationship of the political to the personal. And I don't think people always have a language for doing that or the film isn't guiding them to ask those questions. So to me, it's not really about my mom and dad. It's about um, nation state and domestic space. Okay. And using my mom and dad as sort of an, an, an example of that dynamic between nation state and domestic space. Um, so we just have very different views on, on the film. Um, so was she, that's, that's tough when you're, when you're, when your parents aren't, aren't glowing enough of your, of your goddamn baby of, of this is what I, this is what I spent my life doing, mom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Has that been rough? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's also my fault because I made a film about her. And so, you know, uh, or a film that includes her in my telling of a story. Um, so I sort of need to expect that. I needed to anticipate. I need, sure. you know, it's part of the process. I mean, whenever you put. So Errol Morris made this film called Tabloid. Okay. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Oh my God, you would love it. Okay. So it's about this uh, woman who, in the, I don't even know, 60s, 50s, 70s, whatever, she was. She was this uh, like beauty pageant queen and, and really saw herself as very chaste and, and virginal and like uh, morally righteous. And she fell in love with a Mormon. 
the Mormon had to go to um, England on a missionary trip, and she thought that the Mormons were a cult that were stealing him. So she went to England and stole him, kidnapped him, uh, held him for three days in this like wild sexual <laughs> fantasy, and then she was um, he, she was eventually like prosecuted. And but she she was such a fascinating character that. Um, the trial became a scandal and a tabloid tabloid loved it and she just ate up the limelight and I mean, she's just this really fascinating character um, but she's also really troubled in some ways or that's how the film depicts her so now when Errol Morris screens the film oftentimes she will be in the audience and she'll pop up on stage and she'll be, she'll say to people this is not my story I want someone else to do a film about me I hate <laughs> what he's done yeah so whenever you put a camera on someone I mean you're really inviting that dialogue around who's who gets to tell this story. Interesting. Know? Did you hear the the, uh, the kerfuffle? Uh, I think it was last fall about uh, ESPN and the 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 NFL documentary. Mm-mm. ESPN had some filmmakers whose names I do not remember, uh, and they hired them to make a film uh, a documentary about about uh, CTE, the the head, the concussions, mm-hmm. and you know. It's it, they they came up with some pretty hard hitting stuff about what the NFL knew and when, and it didn't make the NFL look good. And ESPN is a billion dollar business partner, and so ESPN cut ties with the filmmakers, let them continue their film, but it was no longer an ESPN John. Oh, so do you know if they removed all the funding that they had put into the film? I don't think so, and I don't really know enough of the facts uh, 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 at that point. But but I know that ESPN <clears throat> distanced themselves uh, from it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean. Interests are at stake, you know, representations matter, images matter. Okay, well, I guarantee you, if you don't like the way this verbatim conversation that I'm going to put right up on the interwebs goes, you can have a rebuttal. You can, Thank you. Can, you. Yeah, Thank I'll, you. I'll come up again with the microphone right. and the right cord, and you can say, you have five minutes, say whatever you, whatever you meant to say. I didn't mean that I'm a doctor of filmmaking. <laughs> so, um, for, do you, for every, do you even know this, do you, do you know how many hours you shot? Uh, I probably shot for this particular pro- like for this iteration of the film yeah. with just inside the house. I probably shot thirty five hours. Okay, to yeah. make twenty seven minutes of film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that yeah. that typical? Um, that's pretty. I would say, yeah, it's pretty typical. Okay, so we're gonna talk for I don't know forty five minutes, which means we'll get about uh, thirty nine seconds of movie a podcast. Good <laughs> so, math. Yeah. You should get a PhD in math. <laughs> well, I didn't actually do the math. I made two numbers up, but. <laughs> Uh, so, um, so now I want to talk about. I just want to talk about how how'd you get this movie on. So, so you, you you show it gets entered as the uh, best new Chinese film in in San Francisco <laughs> or whatever. So what happened is uh, once the film was finished, I submitted to film festivals, one of which was the San Francisco Asian American International Film Festival. Now, is this all done? digitally now because you used to have to send VHS yeah. tapes but yeah. now, so now you're, you're sending them a link and they're coming to your site and watching your movie yeah and that's how it was then but now people are also sending <clears throat> um, digital cinema packages which actually you do have to send to the place so it used to be it was for a while you could just send a link I could still send a link I could send a QuickTime file through Dropbox um, just a really high quality QuickTime file yeah but um, now people are also sending hard drives with um, with a digital package. Which a hard is, drive or thumb drive or what would it be? No, I think it would be a hard drive. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's just a much higher quality uh, right. print. But I'm not I'm not at that level yet, so I don't I just send a link still. Okay. But that is most festivals are now working with links. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so you, you send them a link, and then uh, um, then you got in. 
I got in, and it won an award. It won the Lonnie Ding Award for Social Issue, doc- Social Issue Documentary. Say that slower. Lon- Lonnie Ding? What? <laughs> Lonnie Ding was a, a really phenomenal uh, community media activist, advocate, filmmaker okay. in the Bay Area, Asian American. And once um, she passed away, this award was created in her name to honor um, sort of socially conscious uh, female filmmakers. Okay. So the film, my film won that award uh, in 2013, as Rocket. part of yeah, it was a really, really amazing. And to me, it was, it was such an honor because it showed to me that Cam, the sponsor of the um, festival and the award, really understood the film as a political project rather than just a, an autobiographical personal film. That they really understood it as doing something, contributing to an important conversation. So, okay. um, so that to me was a real honor. So one, so as part of the um, award package. Um, we started discussing educational distribution through CAM, which means that if a university wishes to buy the film and show it in their classrooms and store it in their library, they can do that through CAM, and we have a, a deal where CAM will do all of the fulfillment, and then um, I get some royalties. As part of that educational contract, they also um, got some digital distribution rights. Okay. And so they have a relationship with Comcast's Cinema Asian America series. Oh. And they packaged together some films for this month's um, uh, series. Now, do you get... Uh, no. Do you get, No. Nothing. No. <laughs> so it it's free. The film is showing for but, free. So it doesn't matter if, if, if a million people watch it or if five people watch it. Yeah. Well, the, no. It doesn't directly matter. The way that it would matter is if I can get enough people to watch it who are in university settings or connected to universities who think that the film is an interesting educational resource and who would be interested in acquiring it for their libraries. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, so, what is what is next for you, Ms. <laughs> what is next? I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Um, I do not want to do a film about my family. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Because even the film you were in was about my aunt's divorce. So yeah. I'm done. I my family needs a break. So. Um, I, I'm really thinking about um, a film about Hussein, the Shia martyr who died in Karbala. Okay. And um, I'm thinking about a, a film around that. And there's this interesting new initiative called whoishussein.org where, like, a bunch of uh, Muslim leaders around the world are trying to, like, revive the, the, the sort of um, selfless spirit of Hussein as a way of thinking about Islam. And I think it's a way of kind of counteracting the stereotypes around Islam and right. the violence within Islam. So. Thinking about a film about that, and then um, on Friday I'm going to California to do some research for a film on um, this transient housing community in Stockton of migrant farm workers. Where, oh, wow. Yeah, it's really cool. It's subsidized housing provided by the county for um, nine months out of the year. But after the nine months, people have to leave their home. So I'm looking at sort of like how do people build ties, roots and ties within a state of constant transience and flux. So that might work out. And oh, you look really cute right now. Oh, thanks. <laughs> there you go. Okay, thanks. And then um, the uh, yeah, I think that's. I th- oh no, and then I'm trying to finish a a film based on a poem by poet Francine Harris that I started while I was at Interlochen. Um, so that should be finished shortly. Cool. Yeah. So if people want to get all the news, there is no way. There's no. <laughs> it's a mystery. You gotta. You have to add. There you have to go no to Mecca. And, yeah. No, I don't, you don't have, have a website. website. Or no Facebook page. I have a Facebook for myself. Make You'd a be friggin' Aggie Films. I just Facebook. Don't, I'm not there you need yet. A, you need a production company. I'm not there what do you, yet. What, do you, what would you call your production company? What would I call it? Death to America. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Great Satan. Yes. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, brought yeah. to you. Yeah, this is a Great Satan film, a Great Satan production. <laughs> I love it. Not a bad idea. Yeah, I haven't even thought about that. People tell me I need a website. I'm just not there yet. Okay. I don't. I haven't embraced. You're, you're kind of a big deal. You keep winning awards, and you're the visiting uh, muckety muck up here. <laughs> <laughs> I am a visiting muckety muck. Yeah. No, I I don't. I feel like if I if I finish another film and and it gets into like a really big festival, then I'll be like, okay, I need a website. <laughs> okay, that's the tipping point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you think you'll ever shoot uh, a non doc? I do think I will do that. Okay. Yeah. Or I think what I'll at least do is some combination of documentary and fiction, like a hybrid film where you don't really know if it's what's real and what's not real. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I think also for teaching purposes, it's really important to to participate in fiction processes because students in film students they want they're not going to become documentary filmmakers because there's no money in it. They're coming to school to learn film so they can work in the industry and make money. Right. So as a teacher, it's really important to kind of stay up to date on fiction practices. Okay. Uh, so you are uh, now if you're going to um, uh, what what's your what's your dream camera? Like, oh. What are you shooting with now? I don't know dick about cameras, so so. God, which... I hardly know anything about them myself. Oh, okay, that, yeah. that's not that's not your John. You're not like a gearhead. I'm not a gearhead. Oh, okay. I know. I feel like I should be. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I just you know. Uh... No, my dream is really to work with someone who is a gearhead, ah. <laughs> who gets it, and who can um, make beautiful images. Okay. Yeah, and and have the money to hire that person to do it. I mean, I can make images, but I don't. They're never going to be like Sundance quality. They're not going to be at the quality that I want them to be, whereas right. like someone who is just camera person can can do something much different than I can do. And what do you uh, what are you using to to edit? Uh, Premiere. Premiere. Okay. I was in Final Cut Seven, but then they changed over to Final Cut X, and so now I'm in Premiere. Uh, why? Why was this? I'm I'm ignorant. Why was the switch to Seven to X prohibit you from? Oh, just new software. X is or? just yeah. X is like a lot more. Um, it's just a very different interface than Seven, oh. and it's a little bit more like a a more robust iMovie than right. it is um, than it than what Seven felt like. Now a lot of editors are still using X and feeling like oh like they can get a lot out of it, but um, but when it first came out, a lot of editors were pretty opposed to it because it 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 removed some of what felt manual in Seven and made it automatic and sort of started doing some of the thinking for you. Um, but I don't think that I think that. Yeah, some people really like it. Gotcha. But I've moved to Premiere because it sort of speaks to, you know, Photoshop and, and yeah. After Effects. And it's... Yeah, if you're in the Adobe universe, it's exactly. all... Exactly. Yeah, your fingers know what to do. Yeah, yeah. Let's play Let's play some Mount Rushmores. Ooh. Give me the Mount Rushmore of uh, of uh, Persian or Middle Eastern filmmakers. Oh, interesting. So does this mean people I would engrave in a mountain? Yes. Or... Oh. You, are, you are the Gutsum Borglin of this John, so you wow. can... Yeah, so... My goodness. I didn't warn you about this question at no, all. No, so not at all. I, just... I would probably put um, uh, this, I think uh, her last name is Bani Etemad, I believe. Mm -hmm. I would put her, Samir Mahmabov. Okay. Um, uh, Bahman Robadi. Mm -hmm. And I would do Abbas Kiristami just because he is Kiristami. I don't always enjoy his films, but he would be up there. Okay. Yeah. Now, who would be on your? Um, do you have a, do you have a, a, a female filmmaking Mount Rushmore? Uh, okay. Um, I will say that in the in the last Mount Rushmore, I named two females, so that's good. Yes. Um, I would. Okay, let's see. Female filmmaking. 
Hmm. Well, you know, one person that just came to mind is Shireen Nishat, who is an Iranian-American visual artist who's made films that are visually incredibly stunning. Okay. Um, Natalia Almada, who made the film The Night Watchman about um, a cemetery uh, worker in uh, Juarez, I believe. Ria Tajiri, who is an Asian-American filmmaker, and she was also on my thesis committee at Temple. And, oh, okay. Yeah, makes really amazing experimental films. And... Um, I would say the fourth is is really just uh, the body of feminist filmmaking, experimental avant-garde feminist filmmaking that would include Chantal Ackerman, Michelle Citron, Mona Hatoum, um, and Yvonne Rayner, and, and sort of Sue Friedrich and people within that. It would just be like one big godhead nice. of feminist experimental. See, work. when I'm talking to songwriters, I actually know these names of people, but you're just saying syllables. So I'm just <laughs> nodding and assuming that you're not just fucking with me. Because <laughs> these all yeah. sound like real people. <laughs> But that good. I'm, gl- I'm glad that, that people can. Um, now, straight up, uh, uh, what did you see that was great? Recommend a film to my uh, thousands of listeners. Oh. Um, that a recent film? Yeah, or whatever. whatever what, just name a film that, that you think more people should see. Oh, okay. Damn. I feel like I needed to be prepared for this. No, I should have told you, of course. There's, there's, <laughs> there's no way that, that, that I should spring this on you because it's, it's in bad form. <laughs> But ah, I also um, should have brought the right cable. But, you know, shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we roll with the punches. Uh-huh. This feels like a punch. Um, what is a film that people should see? God, there's so many. Uh, let me just think. I am going to endorse two films that I saw while Wait, you think about it. You do it. Recently, I saw two films. Like, chick flicks have gotten a lot better if you're careful. I saw two movies that I loved. One was called Black Rock. Uh, directed by Katie Asselton, who is um, uh, uh, married to Mark Duplass. You know, the Duplass brothers, they make little independent movie there. Uh, anyway, he uh, um, so his wife, actually, they're on the league, the show The League together on FX. It's very funny. And uh, and they're married, even though they're not married on the show. Anyway, she made a movie, uh, they, they made a movie together, and she directed it and came up with a story called Black Rock. And it's, it's like a... Uh, uh, not like a yeah, almost like a horror movie, you know, where they have to they have to escape from the killer on the island. Only it's women doing the escaping, like it's a group of of women being tough and, and manning up, and it's and 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 it's it it was great. It was really great. It's it's um uh uh who are the women? It was uh, Katie Asselton and uh, uh Lake Bell, who I really love, w- was in it, and I think it's ridiculously beautiful. I think you know my friend Mia Johnson. You know Mia. No, oh, okay, never mind. I thought I think Lake Bell could play me in the movie, <laughs> but uh, but I, I I thought you had met me anyway. And the uh, and the third girl I think was I forget, but she was also very pretty in, in a movie star Kristen who happened Wig. to be pretty. It wasn't Kristen <laughs> Wiig, but but it was uh, uh, anyway. And the other movie I saw was a movie called That's What She Said, huh. which was um, had Anne Hesh and other people who I oh and uh, um oh I forget her name but the girl that played maybe on arrested development I wish I knew oh, her name Oh love that girl yeah. yeah I don't know her name uh, those two and a third woman and it's sort of like a zany day in New York movie Okay and but but it's but it's all but it's these women and they're and it it was just it was just a great honest movie and you know it it, it was I watched these two films within a week of each other and mm. I was so thrilled that they were like Chick flicks. These are movies by women, for women, about women, and I had a great time watching them. And they didn't stink. Like you know, this mm. wasn't like sitting in cars with boys or whatever that would be mm-hmm. Goldberg. You know, this mm-hmm. like those are the kind. You know, so if you are a dude and 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 your girl wants to watch a chick flick, 
BlackRock or That's What She Said would not be total workage. I love those. I I, I think I saw them both on Netflix uh, last week. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Netflix, yeah. Did you see um, uh, In a World? Yes. Yeah, with Lake Bell. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that was a great film. Yeah, that was a really good film. Yeah, I like her a lot. So, okay, so I think now that helped spark my... Um, the film, I would say, is uh, Lynn Sachs, Your Day is My Night, which okay. is on the... Uh, VOD platform Fandor, F-A-N-D-O-R. Okay. And it's sort of a VOD platform. Functions like Netflix. You pay a monthly fee. They stream films. Um, but these are more like sort of, uh, they can be features, but they're they're just a little, they're indie. They're totally oh. indie. They're a little bit more artistic. Um, they'll have very, very short one-minute films, and then they'll have features. Um, they had, I believe they had for a while, Active Killing. They have a relationship with Criterion, where they're like releasing Criterion films once a week. Um, so it's a really cool site. That's awesome because I feel hemmed in by you know whatever Netflix feels like shoving down my throat. Yeah, a relation like kind of a, a Fandor, Netflix, Hulu Plus, or Amazon or something. Nice triumvirate would be really. It's, you can I have I, I cut the cord. I don't have cable anymore. So that, ah, remember you had to send me the link to your movie because I couldn't just watch great. it on. So yeah, so I have the Hulu Plus and the and the Netflix. Uh, but I would add fan fan. I'm going to look into Fandor, Fandor and see, see, really cool. see what's up. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So Lynn Sachs is a really cool filmmaker who blends fiction and documentary form. So she made this film about um, Chinese-American immigrants in Chinatown in New York who rent beds in various apartments. So okay. it's like a kind of a shifting bed situation. Right. And um, it's an observational film on one level, but on another level, the participants, the subjects themselves, work with Lynn and the filmmaking team um, to to tell their stories in ways that, like, are recreated essentially and reconstructed and it's just really beautiful and has this kind of theatrical element to it and performative so they're like real people performing their themselves and very aware of their performance oh okay that seems to get away get around the you know when documentaries go into recreation all of a sudden i'm just like wait is this uh to catch a predator or whatever you know right 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 no and it's not like um it's not like that like uh america's most wanted kind of thing yeah it's more like recreation in the sense that they um they recall an experience, and right. then there's this really sort of beautiful, abstracted, uh, visual style as they recall their experience. It's almost like you're watching an observational film that's intercut with folk tales. That's kind of how it feels. Oh, cool. It's really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm going to seek that out. That yeah. sounds very great. Yeah. So I have two more questions for you. Great. The one is, um, who if, if, if we're making the Aggie Ibrahimi Bazaar's uh, a bio, biopic. We're making the big, full, blown out. Who's uh, who's who's making this movie? Oh. Which filmmaker is making this movie? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oscar cast is the question. Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, He's trying to spice it up. <laughs> Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> You're better than that. Oh, poor Ricky. She's cool. Uh, She's cool. Yeah, Ricky's all right. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't know. I like to think that I'm a unique flower and that no one can fully capture. Uh, I just the... I, I just pulled the financing for this piece of crap movie. <laughs> if the if the subject's going to be such a diva about this. Fuck hey, it. I almost have a PhD, you know. <laughs> it's as good as a PhD. You should put that on your business card. <laughs> It's as good as a PhD. Um, yeah. So I have been talking with the terminally decreed Aggie Ibrahimi Bzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzz
14th, 15th, whatever the hell that Monday is, 15th, 16th, whatever, yeah. um, of March. So you still have half a month, peeps. So if you are uh, under the uh, Comcast NBC Universal umbrella, go to your little thingy there, uh, pick uh, movies, pick uh, uh, Asian American cinema, and the movie... Inheritance. Inheritance by uh, Aggie Ibrahimi Basaz. 27 of the best minutes of your life. Yeah. Um, you can then even uh, go and become Facebook friends with her yeah. where she will personally interact with you because she does not have any sort of fancy schmancy <laughs> page. Uh, this has been Rhymes Against Humanity with Adam Brodsky. Thank you all for listening. We are, um, uh, we'll be, we'll, you know, that's all I got. So, oh, please, like the like the web page, like the, like the Facebook page, uh, leave nice things about us in uh, iTunes and go watch Aggie's movie and um, uh, uh, so other stuff they they'll they, they'll contact you if they want to watch uh, uh, any of your other your other films or see what you're up to or if they want to uh, audit a class here at Muhlenberg College. <laughs> Thank you very much. Aggie. Thank you, Adam. This, this was, was fun great. As hell. Super All cool. Right. Thank you. Bye. And we are clear. Yay.